And hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Collaboration Podcast, the Collabcast, now that we're calling it. Um, I'm Marvin Yu, your host, and with me as always is the wonderful Minji Chang. What's up everyone? That took you a little bit of a while to think of your adjective. Uh, the... I, it's It's been a long, long weekend. Just busting your chops. <laughs> and coming straight from Boston by way of Las Vegas, the amazing wonderful powerful christy lamb yeah christy how are you doing <laughs> hi thank you for having me christy is the um executive director of collaboration boston and which we have we have raved about in past episodes so we all know we're, we're fans <laughs> it's always fun to go there because we feel so old what do you mean so we feel so old we go there so we feel so young <laughs> <laughs> We're babies. We don't know what we're doing. That is that is false. I object. <laughs> That's not true. I object. You guys are awesome. So how's it going, going over there? We always talk about how the weather here is not so bad. How is it over there in Boston right now? It's chilly. You know how there's always cold where it's just cold. It's fine. You can bear through it. But then there are colds where it's it chills you to the bone mm. no matter where no matter where you bunch up uh, where you cover up for your clothes <laughs> the wind will always find a crevice to sneak up on you and just it it's awful <clears throat> especially because my campus i go to BU it's um it's golden one eagles. straight sorry wait you guys are the golden eagles right so you guys are at that that's BC no that's BC how dare you marvin <laughs> marvin <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. We're the the worst. <laughs> what are you guys? Um, we're, we're the Terriers, but we're okay. one long campus. Um, so we're kind of an urban campus, but not really. But because mm. it's one long campus, it's a bunch of buildings. And mm. it's almost like it's, it is. It isn't almost. It is a wind tunnel. And there are certain alleyways where it's even worse. It's it's horrible. That's Dude. awful. Because I, I lived on a street in San Francisco that was a complete wind tunnel. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine that with snow or anything, you know, below 40 degrees. Well, it's even like the wind. Just, so the first time I was in Maryland for my interview for when I went to grad school there, um, that was the first time I ever, com- like, encountered bitter cold. Like, you go outside and your face just hurts. Your, yes. your whole face hurts. And that was, I had, I, I brought a scarf, but I never, at that point, I never worn one before. But yeah. I just felt like. Well, people wear scarves out there, right? And I realized I need to put this on or else I will die. Yeah. You, know? you just get one of those masks. <laughs> not the ones that, like, I'm thinking of, like, the Bane mask. Which, by the way, I've been seeing more and more out, like, when people are working out. It's Bane like, masks? Ba- yeah, like, this is, sorry, I'm already starting with the tangents, but whatever. Do they, like, pump, like, <laughs> No, it's just like, a, it's like it has a thing you so wearing. you can breathe, but, like, people wear it so it limits your oxygen intake or whatever. It's supposed to enhance your athletic performance. But anyway... Not that because people wear that for like snowboarding or whatever, but the straight up like oh, the, the, the mufflers the were like the only thing you can see. You become a ninja and you barely see your eyes. That's yeah, what you should people, be wearing. Yeah, people walk around class, uh, walk around the streets with bandanas and ski masks. Ugh. It's crazy. <laughs> is it worse out in the East Coast or like Chicago? Because I've heard like Chicago is because it's the windy city. I think and, it's like, about the- comp. Like, so Chicago is bad because it's on the lake. So if you're by mm. water, it's even worse because you get the yeah. wind from the sea, Oof. which is always colder than the wind in the air. So you, that's that's where you get like the face hurting. Yeah. Bitterness, yeah. Because yeah. we're we're by a river. So yeah. Well, and we have mm. a harbor. But um, I actually don't know. I think um, I think well, Chicago's part of um, they're part of the region that gets the cold front first. Oh, mm. wow. so. Whatever they get, we get sometimes, but 
by then, I think they get it the worst. So then, but what, by the time we get it, it's kind of died down a little bit. Yeah, and it's it's worse in like the New England area too. I was in the Mid Atlantic, so we get a milder version of that, of that cold front, and we get like we don't get it as bad. Right. This, yeah. This is super educational because I mean, straight up, we're talking like meteorology right now. Everyone <laughs> in LA is just like it's always above sixty degrees, which is not true. Actually, this no. morning was really cold here. Last it's night like, was like fifty. No, I heard it dropped. Yeah. The girl that I talked to earlier today. When I happened to be in like the West Side, she was saying that this morning was thirty degrees at some parts. Yeah, I mean, I remember when I used to, Which I used, still to, I used to have to go to work at eight a.m. So when you wake up when the sun was still down, there'd be frost. Yeah, I mean, it does get cold here; it just doesn't stay cold. Yeah, yeah. Like it's right like, now, um, it's, it's like Chrissy, you're from Vegas, so you know, like it gets cold in Vegas too at yeah. night. Yeah, because you know, it's in the middle of a desert. Oh yeah, yeah. And like people don't realize yeah. that L.A. is essentially in the middle of a desert. The only reason we have buildings here in the city is because we steal water from everyone else. <laughs> like we steal from the Bay Area. We steal from the Colorado River. Like if you, yeah, um, you steal from us too. <laughs> shame on you. Yeah, from the Hoover For Dam. Shame, Los so, Angeles. I mean, For if, shame. If any of you guys are interested in, you know, um, LA water history, there's a lot of books that are, that are written on it. But there's a really classic movie called Chinatown that um, starred a really young Jack Nicholson. That's mm-hmm. all about. It's a film noir, but it's, the backdrop of that is water politics in California. It's actually. Pretty I had no idea that that was about water politics. Uh huh. There's all these movies that are like iconic and that you know the title of because it was Jack Nicholson's film or blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I don't know what any of them are about. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, again, I learn a lot from Chris. You'll learn so much from Marvin because he knows everything about everything. He's like trivia man. I have a lot of useless <laughs> trivia in my head. Yeah, but I mean, hey, I, but it makes it nice to listen, you know? Yeah. Like, we just learn. <laughs> I, I genuinely am like, oh, did not know that. <laughs> I'm enlightened. I'm like glowing. <laughs> <laughs> Fact of the day by Marvin. Seriously. Oh, there'll be plenty of those. So, Christy, like I said, is the executive director of um, Collaborators in Boston. You guys have how many people on your team? Um, we have thirteen, but with sales team, we have twenty. Awesome. And I mean, they're all from all around the Boston University, so you know they're all like just super smart and talented. Kind yeah, we have yeah. we have representation <laughs> from BC, MCPHS, Northeastern, Wellesley. We even have Brandeis and Emerson and UMass now. Wow! I okay, this was so Marvin and I actually traveled to see Collaboration Boston. What year was that? That was twenty thirteen. It's two years ago. Two, it, was, yes. it, was, it was their last show. Yeah, yeah, it was the last show. It was twenty thirteen, and that was in October. Mm-hmm. I remember, and it was starting to get chilly. I remember that, mm-hmm. um, and it was just. Again, I, this we've talked about traveling so much, but that was my first time ever to Boston. And you've seen so many movies about Boston. You know all about Boston sports and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? But you like until you go there, I was. It's so small. I had no idea Boston was that small of a town. Like we did the whole Paul Revere walk, mm-hmm. you know, and that we did that in this such and such hours. Like I had no idea that that was achievable in so short of a time. <laughs> And I didn't it's know. Crazy. Yeah, I had no idea there were that many colleges in that small area. Yeah, yeah. That's why May is and September are just such. You know, it's crazy. It's it's chaos. Yeah, because mm. all the graduations and all the moving is like. Mm-hmm. Oh. There's so much traffic. Ugh, Can't imagine the worst. Actually, moving to college for me was pretty good because I went to UCSD, so we we're like a, an isolated campus in like La Jolla, down San Diego. So we just drove up. I mean, it was it was crowded in the cul-de-sac where the dorms were, but we didn't have to deal with the city. I can't imagine just moving to a city. Yeah, super. Like I've never actually lived within an urban city before. Like you lived in San Francisco, Benji. You lived in San Francisco for a while, and like yeah. just 
It's it's uh, it's a different. I mean, and especially I mean, San Francisco too. I mean, I would imagine this for like New York. I can't mm-hmm. imagine moving in New York. It makes my brain hurt. Oh, help, to I helped a friend move in New York once. It helped that um, we were just out of college, not out of college, which just out of grad school. So we didn't have that much to. We had like an apartment to move. But still, not like, like a house, say like a mattress. You know? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. Logistically, the way that buildings are like the cramped. That, that, that's kind of like the urban life, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you're not you don't have the luxury of space. <laughs> but you still have furniture and you have crap to get up to your apartment. And so San Francisco had all these old buildings and we had no elevators that worked. Not no, but like half of them didn't have elevators that worked and tons of stairs. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of – what? so do you live in like an urban area? I, I actually don't know where you live, Christy, because I didn't get to visit you when I went two years ago. Um, I, I live – it's kind of um, – I'd say the urban area – the urban – living areas are almost the same in almost every city, right? Yeah, so, yeah. So uh, an apartment building where six floors up, I'm on the top floor. So moving was definitely a pain. Yeah. See, that's exactly what I'm saying. I lived on like the second floor and that was like the bane <laughs> of my existence. Like I hate you stairs. Just yeah. you suck. <laughs> Luckily, we when we got our furniture delivered from Ikea, they were nice enough to bring it up the up to us too. Oh, that's and luckily best. we have an elevator. The only issue with our elevator is that it's really small. Nice. Uh, <laughs> so you can fit like a, a grocery bag. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, maybe like four grocery bags. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I've rather mentioned that um, um, Christy's actually joining us through Skype. We're we are now Skype enabled on this podcast, so now that's opening up doors for a lot of guest uh, guest hosts down the line. So yeah, be ready for that. How do you feel to be our first uh, Skype guest? Extremely honored. Yeah, yeah. Isn't this cool what technology can do? She doesn't know she's actually a guinea pig. This is a test. <laughs> I love it. It's okay. Good reveal, Mar. Anything, like. anything for collaboration. Yeah, Christy. Speaking of everything, so, um, so hashtag collab or die came out of I don't know where. Just you kind of skimmed through that. It's it started, collab or die. This is the hashtag. It started happening just anywhere around Christy. <laughs> over the last years um i've always been curious how that started is just just is that just something you say or like how did that how did it come about honestly um the first time i used something similar to that was when i was in key club in high school <laughs> so i used key club or die um <laughs> because that was that like i lived breathed and eight key club um my senior year of high school um i woke up like thinking about it i went to bed thinking about it and that same ritual happened with collab um (laughs) it just kind of became something that i was so engulfed in and so passionate about that it's literally everything i think about it almost every hour on the hour um (laughs) and so last year i kind of just rolled with it and said collab or die um and my team just caught on and I guess so did you guys. And it spread like wildfire. The rest is history. Now, seriously, now it's influencing global because you guys started using it. You guys visited us and we saw each other in L.A. and everything. And now, you know, Aaron in Seattle with his hashtagging and me trying to assimilate to the younger generation. (laughs) I honestly didn't even think that it would catch on. I thought people would just kind of laugh and just be like, oh, Christy. It's pretty. I mean, to me, it's just like, just do it. Like, be extreme. Like. 
just go for it. You know, it's like collab or die. You either collab or you die. <laughs> there's no, there's no middle ground. It's an or. Well, I think we're, because we're in the same mindset and because essentially it is like, that is our lifestyle, I guess you could say. Yeah. Marvin and I are of the, we are of the collab or die fabric. We are cut from that cloth. So <laughs> it just makes sense. So it, it is, la- we definitely laughed, but it was like, yeah, that totally makes sense. Use it. There's actually another one. My team members came up with I pledge allegiance to collab. <laughs> you don't know how much that warms my heart as like a executive director here. Like now I just feel kind of like we're becoming like some sort of crazy cold. cold? Or something. <laughs> Collab or die. That's exactly like what that. my team members say. Like sometimes we're just a cult. Uh, if people can understand that we here at Collaboration have a great sense of humor and there is a, <laughs> an air of levity in the things that we say, please do not be extreme. We are not extremists. <laughs> we are only extreme in our passion. That actually gives me an idea because we're actually working on a um, collaboration kind of, not Sizzler, but kind of like a like a intro to like a PSA type thing. Yes. We can go the cold angle and go get really weird with it. No, thank you. <laughs> cult with a K. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Completely kidding. No, 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 no. Now it's been out Disclaimer. playing the universe, and now we have to shut it down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Uh, that's one of the the best and worst things, I guess, about being in clubs. Just. We all kind of have the same pun mentality where we have to make everything with a K sound. A K. Yes. Yes. It's just the, the thing that will not die. It never will. <laughs> yeah, my um, marketing team decided to do community. <sighs> so community with a K, so the community star. <laughs> and we would feature anyone who's been doing really great things in the local um, in our local neighborhoods. That's awesome. Are you guys That's blogging cool. about that? What's what do you? How are you guys highlighting that? That's really cool. Um, so we've only had one or two, just because uh, the person who's heading that is Senda, and she is just kind of using like her connections and whoever she knows is doing really cool things around the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can totally ask her to blog about it. That'd be. I love it. Yeah, I love. Oh, when you think for a blog, mm-hmm. shout yeah, out just to on our Instagram. Whatever her name nice. was that you said. <laughs> <laughs> How was, um, I wanted to ask you, how did Ikasu go? Oh, yeah. It went really well. Um, Ikasu for the, sorry. uh, (laughs) Interrupt her much. I just wanted to give context. Ikasu, for those who don't know, is the East Coast Asian American Student Union. Union. Right. And it's a big um, conference that happens every, every year, right? There's also a West Coast version, I think. But the East Coast ones was, was in Boston this year? Yes. And Christy um, Well, was... actually, I think they do a couple tours. Okay. Because um, I think they had one last year, too. Um, mm-hmm. This is actually my first year with Ikasu, so forgive me. I don't know too many details about it. Um, <laughs> a couple of my team members were on board for them, so they kind of organized it, and they would probably be the better person to ask for Ikasu details. But um, our workshop was about social media and using it as a tool for empowerment. Yeah. And we talked about... Uh, YouTube stars like AJ Raphael, Clara C, David Choi. Um, we even talked about Wang Fu and kind of how they used it to showcase their creativity and whether or not it's still kind of relevant to empowerment. Mm. Um, it, it, there were kind of lulls in the conversation just because I think they were kind of shy. But once we got them going, we were able to kind of get into a debate. It did 
venture off into Asian American empowerment in general. I tried to bring it back to social media, but mm-hmm. they just kind of kept going, and it was it was great. It almost ca- came off us like rapid rapid fire. So nice, nice. How long was your session? Was it just the one workshop, or did you guys get to hold it more than once? It was just that one workshop, but we it, it was an hour, mm-hmm. um, and so it we had a you know how in every classroom there's a few people who speak the most. Yes. So we had them um, and we were able to kind of get off other feedback from them too. So it wasn't just them. So it was really, it helped a lot. Nice. I love, I mean, that's in my past jobs, I actually got to go either to conferences where I, I got to present or just like listen to these these different panelists or listen to a different workshop and then also um, in a job before this I worked where um, we would facilitate meetings uh, with public health departments and and uh, police departments justice system and it was just interesting when you get a lot of different people and which all people are different but when you get a large group of people in the room and you're trying to stay on this one particular topic and you have this particular way that you think it's going to go I mean it can so easily kind of not spiral out of control but yeah, kind of spiral out of control. <laughs> and I just feel like, I don't know, for me right now as like the executive director of collaboration, I'm just like so happy that you guys did that and led that kind of discussion because I feel like it's such an important skill um, that not that many people get to practice all the time. Yeah. And especially when you're talking about something as important at what you as what you guys are talking about. I mean, I don't know. That just it honestly makes me super, super proud, like a mama hen. I'm like, yeah, go guys. <laughs> it's honestly, honestly just good to be in those situations where you you get to talk, speak your mind, and also you encourage other people to speak their minds because so often people keep what they think bottled up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's part maybe they don't think what they have to say is important. It's also part that they just don't, you know, know if what they say people want to hear. But, right. you know, <clears throat> if, you get, if you get in the habit of kind of just being able to express your feelings like openly, mm-hmm. um, it does kind of, be, to be cliche, like free your mind a little bit, right? Yeah. And, you know, um, Speaking of, you know, Icasa, last week, um, Collaboration actually in Los Angeles was able to speak on a panel, too, in USC um, for their inspiration panel, which um, Minji here was a honored guest panelist on, uh, on, their, on their panel. And, you know. Excuse me while I start weeping. <laughs> we went to a, no, that was. Which I did. I, li- yeah. I literally cried <laughs> at, on the panel. It got really real. She got real. But, you know, we were sharing the stage with a lot of really great people like, um, you know, Julia Chen and... Much love to Juliet with 18 Million Rising, Mm -hmm. and she's amazing. And uh, Micah Tran works Mm -hmm. in food justice. And then Sunil Malhotra, who's an awesome actor, works as the Prince Wu. Prince Wu. Prince Wu of Legends of Korra. Legend. Legend of Korra. See, I don't know these (laughs) things, but people are freaking out. Do you know it, Christy? The Legend of Korra, the yeah, show? Yeah. Yes. I didn't, yes. I don't know the show. But I, Avatar, I was on. Avatar, come on. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Minji doesn't watch. Airbender. Minji doesn't watch cartoons. I don't. I'm sorry. It was, I watched, okay, cartoons <laughs> that I watched were Looney Tunes, Animaniacs, Tiny Toon Adventures, and like all that stuff. So you're Rescue saying you Rangers. haven't watched cartoons since 1998. Pretty much. And I, I still watch Tom like, and Jerry <laughs> every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. And The <laughs> Simpsons. Etc. Yeah, yeah. There's everyone has their thing. I just was not into that. Well, no, a big, um, a big um, discussion that came out of that was the idea of identity, and that goes into our next. So, um, for those loyal listeners of the last month, um, <laughs> we're still um, 
messing around with our format, and uh, we're going to try a new format this this time, which where um, each of our guests, our hosts, um, you know, brings a topic like a current event or something they want to talk about, and then we just you know chat about it. So instead of you know relying on current events and news have happening, you know, we bring our own news and try it out. So let's take this for a spin. So my topic is kind of more about identity, going out the identity thing is just, you know, um, college was a time where a lot of people, especially Asian Americans, like minorities kind of come to a place, especially like um, maybe less so where, where I came from, because I went from a very Asian school to a very Asian campus. But, you know, a lot of people that when I was in Maryland, like a lot of people like went from like being the only Asian in their high school to like a place where they're at least, you know, 20% and definitely seeing other people first time trying to discover their identity identity. And that becomes a big part of the, you know, the growing up process. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and the big thing like, um, that I saw was a lot of people like trying to find their identity through kind of their name. So I, I, I had a lot of friends who like, I knew them as one name growing up in high school and then in college decided to go with their, given like cultural names like so like their vietnamese name and their korean name and um i know minji um you went by christine until um a couple years ago right i mean i still do it's just a very interesting evolution of how it's fading out mm. no that's not intentional but i'm i i'm kind of reaching a point for multiple reasons i should just choose one <laughs> which is weird and again we could talk about that for days but <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I shared this at Inspiration. It was because the question came up literally just about when did you, what were turning points for you in terms of you figuring out or identifying your identity? Mm. And for me, one of them was in middle school when I moved from a very diverse neighborhood to a much more uh, predominantly Caucasian and kind of upper middle class affluent area. But the name thing kind of struck me then because I grew up going to church since I can remember. And then I had school. And at school, I was Christine. And at church, I was Minji. And nobody knew me as the other. <laughs> it was like, at church, I'm Minji. And at school, I'm Christine. And so then you get older. And then those those lines, you know, everything blends together because your school and your like everybody kind of comes just your chosen family and your your ne- your network, like your your peers. And so everyone's like, oh, my God, I had no idea you had a Korean name. That's so cute. Like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> And so I've had lots of input on what my name should be. And it's funny. People love to share their opinions. And when you're younger, you're kind of more influenced by it. But yeah, people just, oh, you should do, you know, Christine sounds like it's it's like that's your professional you. And I was like, so Minji can't be professional? <laughs> well, they're like, it's a really cute name, you know? And so blah, 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 blah. That's the thing, though. Like, I've also noticed a lot of my friends who did go by their like Vietnamese name or their, their Korean name in college, once they're back in the workforce, very quickly change their name back to their you know, their American names, quote unquote, you know, yeah. because you have to deal with, you know, job screening. And a lot of times there's been studies saying that, you know, what they see on the resume as their name, like subconsciously it, it affects decision-making and things like mm-hmm. that. You know, mm-hmm. you make assumptions I, I based on that. I definitely agree. Right? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. We, we talk about that a lot in class. Um, I took an HR class and because uh, it's required, but um, <laughs> we talked a lot about the names on the resume and kind of the things you say and how you look. And even though people try their best not to be biased, ultimately, subconsciously, they do. Mm-hmm. And it it kind of sucks. I mean, you're just trying to work hard as much as everyone else, but some people just aren't ready for diversity right. as much as other people are. Right. Yeah. 
I mean, that's the reason why, you know, when you apply for jobs, they tell you not to attach a picture, right? Right. Tangent or related <laughs> to that, in Korea, it's required to attach a photo. Really? People get rejected by the Shall we start talking about the plastic surgery? <laughs> I don't think we should because I think that will then overthrow the rest of this podcast. But, you know what I mean? Like, again, culture and like the way that people go about their daily mm. lives, like how do you apply for a job is different everywhere you go. Right. What 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 prerequisites are going to make you a more desirable candidate, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that there is suddenly, again, the, the last couple of years, and I'd say the last like year, just judging by the Oscars, the, the tone and the conversation, we've become very hypersensitive to diversity. And I think everybody who's on the defense is going to be like, I'm very accepting of diversity. Yes, Song Wook, I accept <laughs> you and I don't judge you at all because you have a very Asian name, you know. But I mean, again, and we, we make jokes about it. I'm sure yeah. that there's tons of sketches that are being made on <laughs> SNL about this, but... I think it's for the best. I mean, I've seen that to where it's like, um, I've met people more so when I was in the East Coast and the West Coast for, for some reason that like try to overcompensate just to not seem racist. Like they apparently, like the way I, I, I kind of see it's like they kind of assume that because they're white or Caucasian that you already think I'm racist. So I'm going to go all the way to the other That's side. That's just suck. Like, it's like the, you know, you know the, yeah. they're like, I'm aware of the white privilege. Like, oh my God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> like before you even say anything. Yeah. My bad. I'm just okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> and that sucks. But um, yeah. I mean, but it's, it's kind of like the interesting thing and I can see how that'd be very difficult. I wouldn't walk, want to walk around feeling guilty all the time. Right. You know what I mean? But at the same time, it's kind of like when that, when that tension kind of goes the reverse and like, God, why do I have to be so sensitive? Like, who cares? Like, <laughs> try living it. You know what yeah. I mean? Try having this name that you're given and that's just your name. But you have all these like nuanced and maybe unintentional things held against yeah. you. And I mean, this is Tangent City, but like it's basically just, you know, for the like for those people, it's like really just learning how to be a good ally. And, you know, that doesn't mean you know, give us all the slack, but doesn't mean like, you know, be super self-conscious too. It's like, yeah, I don't know. It's tough because it's a very, it's a very, very it's a very, it's like a minefield pretty much. And, you know, these, these days with you know, the internet, Twitter comments, like a, a wrong word, a wrong thing, a wrong tweet picked up by the wrong person can like, right. just blow up in your face, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a whole lot of baby steps. Um, during our workshop, actually, some, um, someone said that no matter what you say, you're always going to get backlash on social media. And that's something that rings so true. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I don't know if it's, if we should be grateful that everyone cares so much, but sometimes I think it's kind of like a, it's definitely a bittersweet feeling because I've definitely caught myself thinking, why do you care? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So society's telling you, do you really care? Or is it because you don't want to look like a jackass? Is that why? Yeah, like- <laughs> definitely. Like, so, all, all these yeah. people will comment like, oh, that is so cruel to, I don't know, some random video about an animal being froze, uh, being scared into a corner, right? But mm-hmm. then if they were to see it in person, they wouldn't do anything about it. Right. Yeah. I think that's that's the that's the in, that's the ugly reality that social media like it it definitely I, I'm still marvelled by social media and the the fact you know my older brother who's three years older than I am we we still have this awe inspired reaction not awe inspired just like we're just amazed you know 
for better or for worse, stunned really, that at this, you know, at any given time, you can see what is trending. What are people talking about? So I feel like the way he verbalized it, because he's a lawyer and he can speak better than I can. No, I'm take that back. I can speak as good as he knows. <laughs> but he's just saying, like, at, at any given moment of time, you could, like, take a snapshot. This is what, at that moment, a huge amount of people were all talking about. Whether it was that stupid dress, and I'm sorry that I'm even bringing it up because I don't want to talk about it. But even things like that, this is at that moment was, like, the most important thing. And this is, and then you can literally data, like, collect people's words and say, this, you know, we can kind of say this was the direction that this was going in. Right. And this, that's just like that was just so impossible. Mm-hmm. So I think the rate at which things can the the conversation shifts is so rapid because like you get the immediate feedback. Right. I think oh, yeah. this. You're a dick. Like. <laughs> okay. Whoa. I changed my mind. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, pulling it back to names and stuff. Um, I guess, you know, especially like, so Minji, like we talked about a couple of times now, but you're like, you're, you're trying to be an actor. Do you think like you're not? I am an actor. <laughs> <laughs> but you know. There's no try. I'm going to be have Yoda. You been, have you been getting, you know, feedback about your name in terms of like auditions and stuff? Funnily because- enough, I have, I actually, so I, I go to Beverly Hills Playhouse and I, we have our admin group and I love them because they're my classmates and we get together to talk about different aspects of the career because it's not just about the art. Again, we've talked about this because any artistry, if you want to do that for a living, it's a business and Mm -hmm. you are a business, you're an entrepreneur and you have to learn how to handle it, navigate it. So when we get together, we talk about all these different things like what casting website should I use? How do I get the most legit parts? Things like that. But the name thing is actually very important because in general, it has nothing to do with like diversity, but just registering your name, say for like SAG-AFTRA, right? For the Screen Actors Guild, for the union. Um, that's a decision you have to make and that every actor has to make to like, how am I going to be represented, right? A lot of people don't use their real names, right? People use their stage name. And that's that's just a very common thing, whether you're black, white, Asian, Latino, whatever. Mm-hmm. So that was my question. I was like, I'm trying to choose my domain name. So I feel like all these things are converging to this one moment of time where like as I get closer to making that decision, should I join the union this year, which is my goal, you know, what what the heck am I going to go by? And it seems like um, to some people it can seem like, oh, well, just go with that. Like whatever. It's a great name. But for me, it's very like I don't want to shoot myself in the foot and choose a name A to – just you know what I mean like I don't want to submit my name and then they see my name and think I'm a fob right and that Mm -hmm. I can't speak English with you know that I speak English with an accent or whatever Mm -hmm. granted I would hope that they would look at a demo reel or whatever but right like I I don't want to that's that's definitely in my mind this is actually a conversation I had on Sunday (laughs) so I I don't know what the answer is I'm still like very Mm -hmm. much in the mindset of like what do I choose do I choose Christine which in my mind is a great name but I feel it's kind of generic because I know a lot of Christines and Christines are a plenty, but maybe Christine and Chang. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Christine Chang. I feel like I know a lot of Christine. Chang. Yeah, just Asian names are like John, Jonathan, Christine. Yeah, there's, there's a lot. Yeah. Um, not not a lot of Christies though. Only one Christie. I actually don't. I don't, I only know a couple Christies. Congratulations, Christine. And they all live in Hong Kong. Really. <laughs> <laughs> They're all there. They stole my Twitter <laughs> handle. It's it's stupid. Uh... <laughs> I actually know a fair amount of Christies. Definitely mm. more Christines and Christinas, Alexes, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. But, um, 
What's um, in a name, man? Yeah. Yeah. So it's an interesting conundrum. We'll see what I decide. I want, and and then you know, I'm at the thing of like, well, if diversity is being so, if if that conversation is so important right now, and people are really trying to embrace that, then screw it. I'm just gonna go with Minji. You know, yeah. like who cares? And let me be part of, however minuscule part of it, but like part <laughs> of the the tra- you know the trailblazers, and not trying to like conform. But then I don't want everything to be like some political movement too. So it's you know, <laughs> I don't care. I feel like that's kind of like a Hollywood culture, right? To not to kind of be a little bit more biased. I mean, obviously, you would know a little bit more than I do, but just kind of from what we see on the news, it's it's almost there's an there's a giant obstacle for ethnic actors and actresses, right? That they have to go through, and the first one is literally their name and what they look like, right? Well, that's actually something because when we've talked about identity, we've talked about and because with collaboration, we're talking about entertainment specifically. We're mm-hmm. we're saying like, where do you find success? And that's actually an interesting story that I still think is very much. It's in the process of happening right before our eyes because before a lot of the, these opportunities for Asian singers or actors or what have you, they were largely in Asia, and I still feel like with the the wealth that's growing like in China they're creating all the you know and k-pop and all that stuff that there were all these opportunities especially if you spoke english like hell yeah like come over to asia and like be an actor and or an actress or a singer right and then for that for us it's that struggle we'll do is that does that resonate me because like i don't feel particularly korean which again we'll get that into that but like you know would i feel comfortable would i make the move over to korea and is that something that i want to do because like for me my identity is i'm korean american damn it and i like <laughs> i have a different yeah. story and i don't relate to them and blah 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 blah. but people like daniel henny maggie q like tons of people they've they've found success there and they've become kind of been like that crossover artist mm-hmm. so i don't know do you, th- do you think that it has a lot to do with what you kind of like the the certain body type and the certain face facial structure that you kind of have because i've noticed that a lot of the actors and actresses and not just them um models too anyone in front of a camera really just they all have there's like a template right there is i mean yeah i'm neither tall nor rail thin or (laughs) you know um my all my facial features are my own and um (laughs) you know that's i'm not trying to be hateful i'm just saying like real talk yeah i don't i don't fulfill that look so I, I personally, like, yeah, even conceptually, in that aspect, I'm like, how would I find success in Asia? Like, I'd be like, who's that little gremlin and why is she on set? Like, why is she here? I just don't fit it. So, yeah, like, for a lot of different reasons, like, I just don't feel like I should go or, like, even try. I'd rather, you know, be stubborn yeah. mule and, like, no, I'm not leaving here. Like, I'm going to tell yeah. my story. Blah, and blah. I, f- I feel like that, because of the societal norms, just to kind of bring it back to Marvin's um, topic of identity, like that screws a lot of people over in their self identity. Yeah. Like I definitely am still struggling to figure out if I should be super proud that I'm American and Asian American, or if I should lean towards my Asian culture. Right. Yeah. Man, Christy, (laughs) if I could hug you. (laughs) Virtual hugs. And that's kind of, you know, it's also the nebulous nature of the Asian American label. Like, we're labeled Asian American, but we're also not just one culture. We're, you know, Korean culture and Chinese culture culture are like miles apart so is you know, even like, like what yeah. i'm saying we learned from the lunar like even from my friends that i was on set with a few days ago 
with Chinese culture, how many subcultures are there in Chinese culture? You know <laughs> what I mean? All the different dialects and all the different provinces and all the different, you know, cuisines and the dress. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. It, it's too just, many. It's too many. <laughs> Not too many, but there's a lot. You know what I mean. So, and and this this is our human. This is just an anthropological fact. We group things together so that we can make sense of the world. I get that. Right. But um, you know, there's and that's I think what we're trying to identify. How much do you want to dive into that specific part of you that doesn't seem to be so widely accepted or celebrated by others? Right. Right. And are you going to be like? And people get sick of activists. You know what I mean? They get sick of everyone who turns something political. Mm-hmm. And just real talk, like I'm around activists all the time, and I appreciate the crap out. I love what they do because they're speaking on behalf of a lot of people that may not have the time nor the energy or concern to to speak on something. So I genuinely thank them for that. But at the same time, you're kind of like, I don't want everything to be political. <laughs> I just want to laugh and like enjoy like, things. Stop taking things yeah. so seriously. Right, right. <laughs> I think that's why something, things like, you know, having more Asian or just um, the fact that First Out of the Boat is on the air and kind of has hit like a nerve, a general nerve, not general, but like a common nerve amongst all, you know, immigrant families. It's like a, one step further to kind of bring everyone together to like, yeah, at least find that c- common touch point because for a long time we didn't have that cultural touch point to kind of build our identity off of. You know, it was just our friends or people we met, you know, online or. At the I bar have or something, an you know? Asian friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Building empathy, honestly, at the end of the day, that's what I feel like really good art does. That is that is the key to what it provides in the world, whether f- for better or worse. Like you get to see the other side of whatever that you didn't know. Your yeah. ignorance in degrees will diminish, hopefully. You know, be like, oh, I had no idea. Yeah. All right. Speaking of discovering our heritage and culture and history things, um, Minji brought in a topic about a movie she saw last week that broke her mind and her heart. I don't know <laughs> what it broke, but she came All and started things. throwing things. And then I did not throw things. I was like, I was sitting there weeping. That's what I was doing. I was throwing things at Birdman. <laughs> Chrissy, have you watched Birdman? No, and I actually have no intention to. Really? How come? Sorry, tangent, but I want to know. <laughs> I don't know. It Just kind of reading all about it and hearing all about it, it just doesn't seem like something that I would really sit and enjoy. I feel uh-huh. like I would kind of get really restless. Yeah. It's very anxiety very tense. Driving. Yeah. yeah, it's very tense. And it's just for me because I'm an actor and like it just it hit all the nerves. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> but I literally just like the story about that is at the end of that, I was literally throwing popcorn at the screen. I was just like, I couldn't make sentences. Um, but it was kind of, I guess the, the impact, the emotional impact is similar to Ode to Bird My Man Father. won an Oscar, right? Hell yeah, it did. <laughs> it won like all the Oscars. Okay, uh, sorry, quick Birdman tangent. I found this out from my acting teacher that this is how amazing movie making is when you do it well. This is why they won the Oscar. One of the reasons. That backstage area Mm -hmm. is not in the same place as the actual theater. So they went to an actual theater in New York because obviously they're on Broadway and, you know, Mm -hmm. they obviously film him walking the streets and all that stuff. But that backstage is they built that elsewhere. I think in like Oregon or it's somewhere over here. I mean, just a different universe. But that's how well they edited that. And that's how well they built it and lit it and how well the actors lived in it to make you feel like you're in the same building following them walking from backstage to front to outside. Wow. It's amazing. 
blew yeah. my that's mind. That's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope I didn't wreck it for anyone. They're going to be like, where did they mess up? <laughs> well, I mean, everyone, everyone watching the movie for the first time kind of, so when they realize that the whole thing's like in the style of one whole take, yeah. it starts like trying to figure out how they did it. Yeah. And you just ruined it for everyone. So. I didn't ruin No, I didn't. Honestly. <laughs> honestly. And I'm like the nitpicky like because I, I love the movie But industry. you just proved. Like, there's no more illusion. This is not real. Shut uh, up. They made it real because you felt it. I and apologize it was real. to all of our no. listeners for... This is to appreciate. Spoilers. I'm not trying to wreck anything. It's to build like this is how this is how much work it takes. I can't imagine being Michael Keaton or Naomi Watts or whatever mm. and like having to be in two separate like, you know, and be like, I'm in the same moment. This was me 30 seconds ago and this is me, you know, yeah. but you're diff- it's a different week. How do you do that? That's that's <laughs> anyway. So back to the movie. Um, Christy, do you ever watch like uh, have you ever watched any movies about like and Marvin, too? Like, I know you do. You you just Maltri- Martin's. Martin? Marvin. I can't talk. See? I'm already going into my emotional breakdown mode. Um, But, Christy, have you ever watched movies about, I guess, your history, your family's history, or, like, your roots or where your family comes from and things like that? Um, No, not really. See, I've watched a couple. Like, there's – Korea makes a lot of really amazing films, like a lot of movies. And there was one called Taeguki, which is about the Korean War, and it's about two brothers and things like that. Broke my heart. But this one, it was called Ode to My Father. So it was actually all about uh, family. And the, mm-hmm. the whole premise of it is just, it starts, the very beginning of the movie starts with these 14,000 Korean refugees trying to leave the North when the communists were taking over. Right. And that's the beginning, and then it goes to present day. So it's it's a long span of time, and it's about this one guy and um, just the loss that he suffers and the the uncertainty of war and and it actually intersects with more than one war because it starts with the Korean War, it goes into the Vietnam War, which I'm still like genuinely learning a lot about. Mm. I don't know a lot of the nuanced facts about the Vietnam War and it goes into Vietnam and it goes to like, it's just, it was, it blew my mind because I was like, there's so much I don't know about anything. And this all was like, this is, this happened to my parents. This happened to my grandmother, that refugee scene at the beginning. My grandma was one of those people in the freezing cold trying to escape the North when she was 14 with two of her baby sisters. She was playing mom to them for four years and she was like responsible for their lives trying to escape the North to go to the South. And so like just watching it, like seeing it in real time, like real people, real tears, real death, real, you know, the suffering and all that. It just, it kind of wrecked yeah. me. Mm-hmm. It wrecked That's intense. Me. It was. Because, yeah. And then so, like, with the identity thing, like, I just talked about this at USC at Inspiration. Like, I've always kind of had this love-hate thing with being Korean. Like, I kind of mm-hmm. cherry-pick what I liked about it, which was, like, the food and, you know, the the pride to a degree. Like, how much people really embrace their heritage and really value it. I, I love that about Korean people. Um when they're kind, I mean, they're just like the most wonderful people. But then there's other things about Korean people like that I just despise, you know, the pride in the bad way. How, mm. you know, the and like misogyny and like all the patriarchy and all the blah, 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 right? Right. So like when I watched I that movie, yeah, <laughs> God. But, you know, that movie like really hit my heart, like my soul, because I was just like, wow, it really kind of made me try to not try. It made me understand a lot more than I did before I watched that movie. Why Korean people are the way that they are. Why they are always in survival mode. How much poverty and how much war and how much uh, 
destruction they were used to. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Right. I would imagine it's definitely it's different from seeing it as opposed to hearing it because even though I haven't really seen a cultural movie about the Chinese culture, I've seen um, kind of like the legends, you know, like It Man on their 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 series based on history, and but I always watch them with my mom. That's and so okay. she'll always give me the the background, the background history, and mm. she'll always go on these tangents, and that's how I've learned about it. So yeah, it's definitely different from hearing it. And right? that's the thing with like, so I, I know we've talked about this before, but like, if you think about just all of our, you know, um, history, like our grandparents all lived in the time where like pretty much their adult lives was just if they weren't in a war, they if they were in a war with someone else, they were in a war with themselves, like civil war, mm-hmm. war with Japan, war with you know That's true. Europe, all those things. Like, um, so f- or just political oppression from their own government. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. Um, and you know, the most recent you talked about you know, the Vietnam War and things like. You know, I have a lot of Vietnamese friends being from you know, the SUV, mm-hmm. and. You know, now that we're we're older, you no, know, they're starting to get stories that you know we we can now have a mature conversation with our parents, and you know, you start learning about like what it took to get out of Vietnam during mm-hmm. that time, the, the refugee mm-hmm. camps, and like just the the sheer terror is like if you got caught, you're dead, mm-hmm. pretty much, right? Mm-hmm. So it's right. um it's really interesting. I mean, it's heartbreaking. I mean, it's just I it's we have the privilege of like not having to deal with that kind of physical fear mm-hmm. like for our lives we are we are i think the things that we're talking about and the types of oppression or what you know this the, the racism and this you know all these all these things they're kind of more on an intellectual level and they're harder to that's why i think that it's so important for us to be talking about this stuff because like you can't externally see it right, right? you can't there are no dead bodies to count and there's no you know what I mean? Like, you know, refugees to count and things like that. So that, that, like, I was just thinking about this in the last couple of minutes while you were talking about, like, those kind of narratives are rarely seen in Hollywood because mm-hmm. it's not really an American narrative. Like, we've never really been ground zero for, like, you know, Red Dawn, like, fictionally, but, like, in terms of, you know. I didn't even watch that. Since, like, this, since the Civil War, the Revolutionary War, like, America hasn't really been a war zone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always been another country overseas, overseas yeah. somewhere. You know, Korean War, v- Vietnam War, even the War of Japan. So, you know, all the stories are in a foreign country. And mm-hmm. how do you, like, if you were to make a film about that, like, it would have to be subtitled or you'd have to Americanize. Like, you know, it's... Who do you cast for that? Right. <laughs> but then but then you could think about it a different way and think about it, the culture war that we, we face here. Right. Mm-hmm. How would you, I mean... That I I feel like the the way that we would define it. This is what I've loved from collaboration and working with Club Boston and Club Detroit and meeting people that and even, like honestly, my brother is twenty, turning twenty. This oh my god, freaking me out. He's turning twenty, so you know it's a different <laughs> younger generation. Younger brother, not my the younger, lawyer brother. Yeah, not the lawyer brother. But it's just like from you, like because Christy, like how you and your peers, and this I'm learning from like the conference last week, how you and your peers converse about this and how you just talk about identity i just feel like we never talked said the word identity when i was in college and i was i was part of casa the korean american student association 
we would talk about culture when culture show came around and like asking who are we going to hire to be Mm. part of this thing and pk that's how i met him but like we didn't sit around having discussions or even like the conversation was really different so i guess with that war on the cultural war that you're talking about christy like i'm really curious to see like Sorry, I'm going on like rampage. I'm curious to to understand how you would go about describing it to somebody who didn't know. I think we would have to start off with how they see our culture versus what it actually is and what we really practice. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in an interracial relationship and my boyfriend's American, mm-hmm. right? So when he first came to my house and met my family, I kind of had to prep him a little bit and say, so listen, like there are certain things that you can't take seriously. Like they're going to make jokes about you being white and they're, they're not going to understand your humor. Um, and there are certain things that we eat and you can't put your chopsticks in your rice because that's disrespectful. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, and I feel like the American culture doesn't understand that because they'll just do what they're not very, they're not as superstitious as we are. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, so then we have, so then that's one. And then another chapter could be tradition and how tradition shapes who we are, uh, history shaped who we are and, it's just two different we culturally immigrants like our ancestors have struggled a little bit more just because here in america i feel like our ancestors had to fight for survival they had to earn every penny with back-breaking work Mm -hmm. and i'm not saying i'm definitely not saying that the americans didn't work hard because they totally did um but i just think it's a different it's definitely different yeah it's a different story and I think that's like honestly that that made me think of somebody actually brought this up at USC because they're saying that's the danger of the whole mo- model minority myth mm. because if you're going to just blanket some group and say well they're all well to do and they all do well in school and they all get college degrees well do you know how much work th- and does it's like a lot of these families like their children the the children that were born or just raised in in the states mm-hmm. they usually are the ones to get past high school right. Some of them, yeah, like, right. I know families where, like, they're the first to get past middle school. Like, some of their parents were just, like, laborers, yeah. you know what I mean? And they, they were right. refugees. So, And I know enough people who couldn't go to college because they had to support their families. Right. You know, there's still that, that whole right. thing, too. So right. it's, you know, again, like, yeah, it's, right. it's not fair to, you know, to have a blanket, you know, classification. And at the same time, you know, like, yeah. the whole thing about, like, assimilation shouldn't mean we give up our culture as well. Exactly. You know? Right. And I, but I do have to say that the last couple of years, there is a major step in understanding different cultures. And it's not just the Asian cultures, there's the Latino cultures. Right. There's, right. there's, there's so, and we are more accepting. And I'm so grateful for that. Like you see all these new conferences, you see all these new talks and these, yeah. these almost um, workshops almost. Uh, and they, everyone is talking. They're, they're actually more open. It's not just, it's just not just race, right? It's right. LGBT. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's everything. I mean, yeah. They kind of went through this when we when we talked to the, the writers of uh, Fresh Out the Boat, being like, you know, 1995 didn't have internet. Like, I think, you know, you and I are both on the kind of the front edge of the millennial generation. Like, we're, we still have traces of Gen X in us. Mm-hmm. Where, and then traces of, you know, like, we didn't have internet until, like, maybe high school, right? Like, middle school, high school middle time. School, yeah. And then, you know, nowadays, you know, people, you know, the, Come the out younger of the generations. Come and they get on an yeah, iPad. But, you know, <laughs> on one hand, it's, you know, there's a lot of downsides for that you know, in terms of, you know. Um, relying too much technology, mm-hmm. you know, social skills, things like th- things that you no know, scientists are starting to study now. But 
um, in terms of just having a conversation, like the fact that Ikasu, things like Ikasu, things like um, people having conversations about these kind of fringe top, what used to be fringe topics are more mainstream now mm-hmm. is because we can talk about them with people all around the world. Right. And people can explore other cultures without, you know. I mean, exposure, and, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? And here's the thing, like every generation, this is just a fact of life because every generation will think that the one before them or like the one after them just doesn't know how hard it was. Mm. I say that that's a load of BS and every generation after is going to have a new set of problems that the, the last generation just didn't understand. That's just understanding the human condition. Like we progress as a human race, hopefully in a lot of different ways, but it just, there's always going to be issues to overcome, right? So once we get over this sort of like suddenly it's good, I don't know, we'll find a new problem to like, to be, you know, <laughs> at odds, like at odds with each other about and whatever. And that's just the way that it is. And so for me, I feel like I've learned and I'm very grateful for this because I feel like I had a bit of that, oh, you kids don't know how easy you have it. You know what I mean? <laughs> but like, no, if I were, if I were, if I were a college student right now, it's just a whole other mess of, of issues, a different economy, a different uncertainty and a different, ins- like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's just, it's just different. That's all. It's not better. It's not worse. <laughs> You know, I had my I had to learn how to deal with technology and how to like everything that I was getting exposed to in increments was like so mind boggling. I can't imagine growing up with that from day one, (laughs) having to see having the ability to like jump on the Internet and play games on your parents iPhone. And oh, my God, there's a video of some guy getting beheaded. Do you know what I mean? Like that is the world that we live in. So I don't think that that's better or worse. Like people are saying that technology is so awful. It can really enlighten you in ways that you couldn't before. Mm -hmm. If I could like, it just has to be controlled. Exactly. It's like, how are you gonna? How are you gonna navigate it? How are you gonna have people around you who are not idiots and have a you know a sensitivity to that? Right. You know. So, who's to say something's better or worse? I just think it's really. I'm fascinated. I think that's the best word at this point to say. I'm just fascinated to understand and learn because seeing what people are doing at Ikasu, like what Christie's doing, like the workshop and discussion they're having, and what we talked about at USC, mm-hmm. I was just like. This is this is some next level, you know. <laughs> it's like I can't. We didn't talk about this. Yeah, and I think it's awesome. And I don't think those workshops have to be very serious either. Um, yeah. I didn't get to answer your question earlier, but we did have another workshop with Basic. Um, they're the Boston Asian American uh, students. Uh, I can't remember the last two letters. Sorry, <laughs> not like a bad but, thing now to so be it's Basic. Kind of an unfortunate name, isn't it? <laughs> Um, <laughs> kind of, maybe, but it, it, it'll pass. Yeah, it'll um, pass. It's just a fad, whatever. Damn it, but our, I, I wasn't at that workshop. A couple of my team members uh, led that workshop, but they did a workshop on um, learning how to dance and nice. being able to express yourself through choreography. Sweet. Yeah. Can I take it's it? Boston Asian American Students Intercollegiate Coalition. There we go. Love to basic. We're not trying to hate on basic. It's just like, again, <laughs> I didn't even know what that word meant when people use it the way that it's trendy now. I was like, I blame what? I blame Aaron Young for bringing that into our lives. No, I blame, I blame my roommate, John Enriquez. Oh. He's the one who brought it into mine. He probably got it from Aaron. Enriquez. Yeah. That son of a... <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, we're trying to learn all the new lingo. <laughs> what does that mean? You have to pick it up in context. Hey, I'm in that generation, and I still don't. I can't pick up a whole new lingo. <laughs> what does fleek mean? Can you explain on this? On point. It, yeah, it's like on point. Like I just perfect. don't know where the word came from is all. Like on point. Like on point is uh, it's a term for like ballet, I think. Like, fleek and point have the same amount of <laughs> syllables and letters. I mean. 
Now we're getting into the etymology thing. Ah, uh, clobbered eye. All right. Um, <laughs> Christy, <laughs> you had a top. You wanted to ask her advice about some stuff, right? Yeah, it's March. Um, I'm two months away from graduating. What? <laughs> or should it be, oh. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure me and a whole bunch of other college students who are about to graduate are freaking out about transitioning um, into being a real person, as I like to call it. <laughs> Um, because we, all we've known so far is being in school and having homework to do, but after we graduate, it's just work from here. So how did you guys transition? I like how she thinks we're real people. Yeah, I know. That's really <laughs> sweet. Oh my God. <laughs> really? Um, I mean, it really depends on what, what you guys end up doing. I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming most people go into, you know, a real job. You know, I went to a real job after graduating. You know, I worked at Sony Pictures for a while doing like supply chain stuff and, you know, distribution. Lots of spreadsheets. I did learn how to kick ass at um, Excel and PowerPoint. You are very good at Excel and PowerPoint. Um, it's really so if you end up working for someone else, like in a corporation or a business, you know, you, my biggest, my best, um, uh, advice for anybody is really just to go in with like no chip on your shoulder like you know you're you're not better than anyone else there you're not smarter you're not cooler but you're there to go do a good job right um, the key right. to being a professional really is you know getting the job done the right way and figuring out how to do that like you know no excuses no complaints you know you can like you complain about you know bosses or whatever you know, to your coworkers sometimes during happy hour. It happens eventually for everyone. But What do you mean eventually? That's like from day one. <laughs> um, in terms of just, you know, like understanding that you're there, you're there, they're paying to do a good job. And you only get so many chances before they start to realize that, you know, you might not be the right person. Right. right. So you don't want to, you don't want to get on, you know, you don't want to go and kind of take it easy or assume that you'll, you'll figure it out. Like, you know, when you go in, whatever it is you're doing, like find someone who's doing a good job and like talk to them, you know, find a mentor, find someone who can, you know, um, help you out when you need it and really just figure out what it takes to do a good job at your job. And then eventually, yeah. you know, you do your job well enough, you know, they'll give you more important things to do, you know. <laughs> I think that's a very – and I, I agree with that, but I, to also kind of add the flip side to that mm. – no one knows what they are doing. That is my <laughs> thing, okay? If you are walking into any situation, think that everybody, ever, this is, because I think this is, the, that was the main emotion that I felt, mm. that I felt like I was going into a world where everyone knew what the hell is going on and I'm the only one who didn't, right? That was, and that, that I think that's a very, um, it's a very human feeling, but it's also very self-defeating. Like, not that you're intentionally trying to be self-defeatist, but you want to be humble, right? Like, you're mm. trying to walk in with a sense of like, okay, if you kind of walk in and going like, I'm walking into the real world, you've been in the real world. That's what I say to college students. It's just a different world. <laughs> if you told any working professional, hey, you got to go back and juggle signing up for classes on a, like on a, you know, a, every few months, you got to like rearrange your life, right? You got to juggle a different schedule. You got to get a job and you got to look for like other opportunities while you're studying and learning brand new concepts, writing papers. Tell me any job right now, unless you are working to be a professor on PhD, mm -hmm. where you're like doing what you're doing as a student, where you're absorbing information and spinning it back in, in like in essays and taking tests all simultaneously, 
right? Right. While also right. trying to figure yourself out emotionally, physically, like, okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. You know what I mean? I never downplay what a student is going through as like not being real life. So I just say, for me, I want to encourage my brother and you and everybody in that, that young college generation, you have very valuable, new, fresh perspective and skill sets that the world needs. That's why they are looking to you. And you know what? Maybe they have some life experience in terms of working in that particular office. Doesn't mean that they know exactly what the heck's going on. And that's the issue with jobs is that you can get very, um, in a good way, very focused at what you need to do. But that's like why you need people to kind of like, you need fresh blood to like remind you, well, this is how the company or whatever organization or whatever is progressing. This is how I'm different. Because I'm from a different generation. So I actually really encourage college graduates to remember, uh, not with any sort of entitlement, but to walk around saying, like, I have a lot of value. Because what I studied and what I experienced as a human being is something that this company needs. Mm -hmm. And if I don't know it, I will, like, have that attitude of I will figure it out. That is the number one um, life skill that I think really can help make your career whatever it is that you choose deal with change if you can deal with change and like uncertainty and make it work to your advantage yeah yeah and i mean at this point managers managers have been dealing with quote-unquote again millennials for like the last 10 15 years Mm -hmm. so um as long as you're going to come down they should know like kind of how to manage you to kind of because one of the things that you know people say about our generation is that you know we're very independent Right, we we oh, yeah. we want to we want to do something and feel worth like we want to feel that we're doing something worthwhile, mm-hmm. right. and so like just typical like grunt work is not enough to satisfy us. So you know, basically, um, kind of combining what we say, can you you need to make yourself valuable, right? Mm-hmm. You need to make yourself like if they see you as someone they can like an asset, if they see you as someone that will provide future benefits to the company as a director as a leader they're going to pay attention to you, you know, but you can't go in and expect to be the savior right away. Yeah. (laughs) It's going to take time to become bomb deity. And I also say like the whole entitlement thing. um, I definitely had that. I had a huge ego because I went to a good school. I kind of grew up to a degree like having that. It's it's kind of the double-edged sort of having like this sense of Mm self-worth that you don't want to be beneath anything. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's a dangerous Mm -hmm pitfall where you're like i am smart and i am hardworking. damn it like i did i ran organizations i did da 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 but it's like you know what everybody's got to pay their dues that's the other part it's like your attitude um like the non-entitlement but having sense of value you have to juggle all basically have to be perfect (laughs) just don't be afraid to do stuff you don't want to do and if you can find value in what you're doing because like i shredded papers for a semester i worked you know (laughs) Like at College of Letters and Science, I worked for the finance department and I thought that I was going to help them at least with like filing things or with like organizing things or whatever. I mm-hmm. literally went there and shredded papers. Yeah. About six hours a week. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like in that, I got to be tight and, and, you know, a lot of learning lessons, which I won't go into. But people do menial tasks, but it adds up to like you being, uh, you know, looked at as someone's responsible, like they get it done. Yeah. You know, and, and they don't complain. And at the same time, you know, like constantly network, talk to your bosses, talk to you. If you if you have a VP or some executive level with open door policy, like go take advantage of that. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> people like you don't. I guess a, a lot of people don't realize, but um, leaders, like especially business leaders, like 
they want to help. Like you ask them for advice, you ask them to like you know, even for us, like you know, we ask someone to like you know an executive of her company to speak on a panel to like help you know inspire kids. They'll jump at that because you know for them it's also like they want to find worth in what they do as well.、Mm-hmm. And if it、uh, helps them develop a new talent from for their company, you know. Hell yeah! <laughs> like yeah. most people will be for it. There are there are some jerks out there. There's going to be always going to be jerks, but、yep. you know, for the most part, like take advantage of opportunities because you know what you're doing now. Like especially, like, I, there's some study I'm misquoting, but the average millennial jumps jobs like at least three four times in their career, and it's just、yeah. it's just our nature too. I think that's a good thing. Again, like there's no one set path for anybody. Like there are people who will have. Will stay with one company for twenty years. I kind of、mm-hmm. envy that at one point. You know, like the idea of change and like doing all these different careers is exciting. But it's also like if you could find a company that you're really genuinely happy and content at contributing to their mission and getting your paycheck and getting a nice steady four hundred one k. You know what I mean? And then taking your vacation days. Like that's rare. Yeah, honestly though, I felt like I could have had that at, at Macy's dot com. If anyone's looking for a job, like honestly, I really loved Macy's dot com. I choosing between that and collaboration was actually a hard decision. I think if it was simple, like oh well, collab, duh. Yeah, I'm gonna run a nonprofit <laughs> where like you know, <laughs> da 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 da. Yeah, it wasn't. It was like no, that's my passion thing. That's what I've been doing on the side voluntarily.、Yeah. But then then here's this really steady job with awesome people. I loved my coworkers. You know,、mm-hmm. but I was dealing with software licensing, which I couldn't see doing for a long time. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Yeah.、And、that was enough for me. I don't judge and be like, dude, power to you. You're set,、mm-hmm. right? Find your adventure in other ways.、It、doesn't have to be your career. Yeah. So, I and I mean different people like、um, we're running this kind of sometimes with collaboration. Just now, when you do something that you're passionate about, there is a huge work life balance issue going yeah, on. Yeah, you know? for real.、Um, sometimes I'd be like, dude, just do something that pays the bills, and then like do your passion yeah, on this. Like, some people, you know, they work so they can go on vacation, so they can go to Hawaii for three、and、weeks, travel, so they can go, you yeah. know, they can,、yeah. you know, see their kids on like you know reasonable <laughs> hours. Not that we have kids or anything, but. Eventually, you know. Yeah, I'd say I'd say, Chrissy. I think it, like I would, you know, on as a drop of hat, I would recommend you to any company because I feel like you have a very go-getter attitude, and I've seen this a、Aww. lot of Collab Boston <laughs> staff too. You know, like it's it's having、um, proactiveness. I'd say that's a key trait, flexibility, and、um, a sense of self worth,、mm-hmm. and that'll help dictate you either whether you stay with that job, and you know, it's it's the power of no too. And that's all stuff you're just gonna have to learn, man. Like, there's no way for us to say you should do this and this and this because it's really gonna、right. be. You tried on the shoe. Does the shoe fit? Oh, it was、right. comfortable, and then I started dancing in it. Now it freaking hurts. I'm no more of this <laughs> shoe. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. definitely. Thank you for saying that. Yeah.、Um, but I, I think one of the things that is kind of ringing true with me is, or I mean, that is helping me. Is you saying that people still don't know what they want to do? Okay.、Um, oh、because I've gone through my whole life knowing what my next step will be, you know, and I don't know if this is how everyone else feels, but personally, because just because I've been raised that way too, like my sister has always been. So what are you going to do now? Like, what are you in high freshman year of high school? My sister asked me what I wanted to major in in college.、Mm-hmm. I hadn't even gone through high school yet. <laughs> So it was just kind of so that was my lifestyle, and now that I have no idea what I want to do and I can make my own decisions, I'm completely lost. Right. I mean, if, there, if there's one thing collaboration has reinforced is the idea that you know plans are great, but you gotta know when to improvise and 
when to you know make quick decisions and, and follow your dreams. Kind of follow, <laughs> follow, your dreams. follow your gut, really. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot, and the thing is, when the whole following your dreams thing, it's it's a very lofty notion that not everybody gets to achieve in life in in varying degrees, whether whatever that dream may be. And it's because it it takes so much work. You know, the I the I, I don't know if it was a quote, but somebody said it, and it's just like the dream doesn't work unless you do. And I think that any dream is attainable if you put in the freaking work. If I want to be an actor, it's not going to happen overnight. I'm going to have to do projects that I don't like. I'm going to have to rehearse my butt off. I'm going to have to watch myself and be really uncomfortable and figure out what works on camera, what works on a stage. You know, like I'm going to have to work with people I don't like maybe. I'm gonna, you know what I'm saying? Like it's just the work is like – but that's what makes you closer to – achieving what you want and if what i want is to be in a big major feature film that a lot of people get to appreciate and enjoy that's going right. to take work to get there it's a million little steps right so um and i think if you always look at the reverse of any situation christy because it's like if you thought of somebody who knew everything that they wanted i think that's that's kind of sad because like the older you get the like the more you feel like Wow, so I have the whole rest of my life set for me. <laughs> I'm going to get married and have children and work my butt off and put all my money into them and have them resent me and then they'll kind of maybe come around and then they'll get married. and Like, you just kind of foresee the entire future. It's not my plan. I know, I'm saying for some people, and I'm saying that's my plan, but like for some people, like I, that kind of makes me depressed a little bit to have no sense of like uncertainty and adventure. Like, where is life going to take me? I want to always have that sense of like mm. things could change and, you know. So yeah. I don't know. It's From what balance. I hear, having kids is quite the adventure of like, oh crap, what is he doing now? Yeah, <laughs> that was the podcast we listened to. It was so good. <laughs> I'm just trying to keep this thing alive. I just don't want it to die. That's all. Like, anyway, that's a whole other thing. But I, I hope that was helpful for you and not just a whole lot of like psychobabble. No, that it does. It definitely. At, at this point, you know. Even if you didn't tell me anything that was that useful, it would probably still be useful. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's good to know. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it was really really helpful. Yay. Cool. It's good to get some insight, you know, at this point in time. That is what we are here for, yo. Well, good luck on your uh, pending graduation. Are you coming back to the West Coast or are you staying in the cold tundra? (laughs) You know... That is my plan. I want to come to either LA or Vegas, get a mm. job there. But if I get a job, if I get a job offer, I should say, mm. in Boston or in New York, I feel like I, I feel like I'm obligated to take it. Mm-hmm. You should but def- it's like, still all up in the air. I feel like, yeah, New York opportunities work there. You know, doesn't come up that often. Mm-hmm. And if you can, you know, from what I hear, it's worth living there just for a little bit, just to say you've been there. Because um, I think it was my cousin that told me that, you know, people who live in New York to work, and especially in Manhattan, don't really live. Unless uh-huh. you're like super rich, you don't live there. You put up with it. You put <laughs> right, up with living right. in a tiny box, uh, paying way too much just to say you're a New Yorker, right? And Yeah, um, yeah I, I think if I were to work in New York, it would only be for one or two years anyway. I definitely wouldn't be a permanent thing. I'm sure it'd be something <laughs> It's just too much would... hustle and bustle. yeah. It's very mm-hmm. overwhelming, but that's also what dri- I I like get so energized, but then I'm quickly burnt out. So I can imagine, like I get there, I'm like, oh my god. It's because we're West Coasters. Like when I went, when I went to grad school, like I, <laughs> the first couple group projects, like I pretty much I wasn't yelled at, but I was you know annoying people with how laid back I was. You know, like they'll be like, we need this now. Like oh, we got like a week. We can you know. 
tickets. I understand. No, <laughs> no, I don't. No, I'm not gonna start this with like a critique of Mark. No, but like I can see that, and but that's what I'm saying. The environment, it like mm. because everybody else is on the move, like your ass better be moving too. Yeah, and if you're not, yeah, it's harder. Yeah, for right. People who are who I've also, aren't yeah. used to that. I mean, the one thing I learned from just you know visiting New York is how to cross the street like an a hole. That's everywhere. Oh yeah, you just, yeah. Go. You just go. That's everywhere. I'm sorry, but like I went to UC Berkeley, like students and dude, when I go to UCLA, I was we went last Friday. I was so angry. I was like, do these kids want to die? Because I'm coming down a hill. I have like limited visibility. Or I'm like, I'm coming over a hill. These kids are crossing the street. Like, you are gonna lose a limb or something. Granted, I'm only going 20 miles an hour, but still, like, that's everywhere. I don't think that is just New York. Everyone jaywalks and everyone acts if they're a pedestrian like they own the road whatever get out of my way i think that's everywhere yeah don't cross the street speaking from the pedestrian perspective because i walk everywhere yeah i know i know and that's what i'm saying like i did think i was like hey i'm walking here (laughs) i think a forest my my thing is that you're in a car you're warm i'm not let me move fair totally fair i'm with christy here yeah no i speaking of cold it's actually snowing right now oh really um yeah i mean she's going aw but I know you're thinking like, well, you don't have to shovel, right? So it's all good. Yes, but still, <laughs> it's slush everywhere is not fun. Mm. I, yeah, what I honestly black like, ice, a, not fun. I think the West or people that actually have seasons. I like, um, I, I love the coziness of the the buildings because they are actually set to like keep the cold out. Mm. The things that I don't like about California, I think that they're very poorly insulated. I get cold pretty easily. And I lived in San Francisco. It was like, the, it was the worst. Mm. Like they were not, the windows, nothing was like prepared to keep cold out. I feel like. You know what the East Coast has that we don't are kick-ass um, basements? Mm-hmm. Basements are scary. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, really? seriously. Did you, you not have watch like Home a whole, Alone? You have like a whole room down there. You can put your stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah like but it's dark also and dark cold. and. <laughs> put lights in. It's, it can be musty, you know? Yeah. And here mold. in College Town, basements are parties and that's where it exactly gets kind of crazy. yeah i'm sorry i grew up in earthquake county like country <laughs> i'm not going anywhere underground that could like cave there's in no on earthquakes me in the East Coast. i don't care that's just my natural they have hurricanes and floods <laughs> <laughs> anyway. and snow yeah <laughs> snowstorms snowstorms are fun you get snow days mm. you watch netflix hurricanes. exactly that's what we did but what if it shuts off your your electricity and everything does that happen? Well, you mm, you does. better charge your laptop. <laughs> Very true. But what that, my concern is again, what if you freeze because you can't turn on your heater? Well, so let's get that was actually one of the things <laughs> that we talked about this season. Um, we had a a warning saying that if we our power goes off, then our cable and our internet also goes off. So me and my friends all looked at each other. So what do we talk about? <laughs> <laughs> like what do we do? <laughs> That's why and everyone then should have a made board a game. Joke saying, mm. <laughs> we made a joke saying we should look up like what to talk about in the event of a blackout. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Obviously, it didn't come up to that because we're not that You'd socially have inept. But <laughs> that's, see, this is the ultimate irony, and this is the hilarity of this because I'm saying I'm like geeking out and I'm gushing to everybody. Last every person I've seen since I was at USC and UCLA this last week how sophisticated these young people are and how you know <laughs> they're just framing these like really complex issues in these really intelligent ways and christy and, just broke that illusion yeah <laughs> it's broken now and she's like man these kids i'm crestfallen <laughs> she's like never mind personal interaction what? what is that what come on 
What is, I definitely <laughs> think that some people don't know how to talk to people. It It's an issue. I'm actually genuinely concerned. <laughs> I can see that. So I were going to so, like My younger cousins, all they know how to do is play on their iPad, especially um, my, I have, so I have two cousins in Vegas. One no, likes to read. So I'm grateful for that. But his, <laughs> her younger brother is literally just um, candy crush. Uh, what's that? Angry birds, angry birds, mm-hmm. uh, video games. And I would be like, Hey, like, how are you? And he, he, he will just look at me and be like, hi. <laughs> I'm thinking of that kid and from that- fresh off the boat. <laughs> I just see, well, I mean, not to knock on anyone's parenting, but like I see these kids out in like restaurants, and then no bringing small kids out to restaurants is always an endeavor. That's why most like my cousins usually never like with toddlers don't go out because like their kids would just destroy everything. Mm-hmm. But you have these kids out there where all they do is they're on their their iPads or their cell phones during the entire dinner. Mm-hmm. And, I, yeah, yeah, um, and I've seen not just little kids, but like like grade school age kids, and middle school age yeah. kids who are just like they're just disengaged the entire time, like. See, but then th- th- then we go into the other territory of, like, parental judgment, right? Because it's funny because when you are not one, it's easy to say, like, wow, you're an awful parent. Like, why would you let your kids do that? But when you live the life of a parent, you're working and you're also trying to keep something alive and also be right. intelligent and get decent grades and, you know, be hygienic. Like, you but want then- five minutes apiece. Like, okay, take my iPhone. Don't care. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I get that. Like, I've seen those lists <laughs> but then what about our parents they did it you know like yeah. we were able to entertain ourselves and why can't they do that now it's almost it's like it's like a it's just a scapegoat almost like, right mm. right i, I didn't know. have an ipad as a kid maybe i'm just jealous i had Nintendo. maybe you are you can't bring Nintendo out to dinner though i know yeah no game boy i didn't have a game boy. i didn't have a game boy i just, yeah i hung out like that yeah, you guys were deprived i didn't get a game boy until I was in high school when Pokemon came out. <laughs> yeah, I would. I was. And I played that for like a week and then stopped. Well, people again. See, so like, it's everyone has their own like childhood. I never had a Game Boy. People were like, Juliet was talking about how she had the Digimon, the digital pets. Mm. I never had one of those. Never you didn't have a Tamodachi. No, I did not have a Tamodachi. Mine's all died because they had too much poop. Of course, you did. My friend used to call them Takamuchis. I just automatically think of it. <laughs> he, he was just really funny. But here's a, like. Again, the cultural thing because I'm like shifting over to Europe now because I studied abroad in Paris. I actually lived in Paris two different times and I learned so much because I actually really never gave a crap about going to Europe ever. I was one of those kids. But having lived there um, for you know several months, a little less than a year altogether, um, just living the lifestyle and how they – dining. I'm just like going on that tangent now. Mm-hmm. That dining, the way that they eat dinner. They eat late too, right? They eat late and they yeah. eat for a long time because they say that's where you learn about life is at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. That that is where you interact with adults. I love that. You what? <laughs> Sorry. I, I was just going to say I love the way they eat dinner. I love yeah. how they think food is what brings people together because it really does. It really does. They're saying like the way that they broke it down for me, they're like, you know, everyone's going to say like, why do you spend hours together, blah, blah, blah. It's a time for you to converse with one another, talk about your day, talk about politics or whatever's happening in that world that day, whatever. You can talk about your shoe and how the the, thing, the rubber broke off, your insole. But learning how to talk to each other, they're saying that's the main life skill, how to be respectful and how to have etiquette. Like you don't mm-hmm. shovel food like a, a troll into your mouth. Like, you know, like they're saying that's where you learn life. What if I'm hungry? Marvin, work with me. Like, 
But you know what well, I'm saying? Like, so, so, yeah, I, I can't do three hour <laughs> dinners, but I, I, I appreciate the concept and the, the mm. emphasis they put on it. Yeah, I think secrecy. it depends on who you're with because when I went to France with my family, mm-hmm. um, uh, last September, I think mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. not last, maybe two years ago. I can't remember e- either way. My dad kept rushing the waiter and you could tell that the waiter wasn't, he was, wasn't having it. He wasn't happy with the day, with the way that my dad, my dad wasn't speaking to him, um, in an ill manner. He was just like raising his hand, like making, like trying to get his attention because he was he was hungry and he wanted his drinks. He wanted his food yeah, and he yeah, wanted yeah. to eat and go and go sightseeing, go shopping. Right. And that wasn't how the French did it. And me and my sister in law were trying to tell him like you need to like, calm down and this isn't the way that they work. You know, like yeah. food is food is precious to them. Yeah, that's how yeah. my dad is at like American restaurants. Like, why is this not here now? Yeah. I'm gonna talk to them and it's like, Dad. Yeah. But I mean, the whole point of this conversation, and I, and I completely agree. And I would be irritated too if I was like, "I'm paying money to be here. I flew on a plane. <laughs> I'm paying a lot of money for this hotel room. I'm gonna get out there and I'm gonna go see the damn buildings. Like, <laughs> give me my food. Completely understand yeah. that. So I, it's just the original conversation is like, you. I completely agree that food is a very big conduit to like learn about culture in general. But I really, I don't know. I, I say this now, and people can hold me to it because this is getting recorded and put on the internet, so it'll be forever. But even when I have children, I want to like have a no cell phone, no electronic policy mm. at the dinner table, or like I will like I don't know. I've seen BuzzFeed lists I of how very, like, with it. SF of you. It's very idealistic, and I get that it's a very ambitious thing. And I'm not saying you know whatever, mm. but I that's my hope. I'm putting this out there in the universe. That's that's what I can. I hope I can do to like have my children converse with me. And with one another, you know what I mean? And like mm. learn, I don't want that social interaction thing to be a problem, especially because I'm the way I am. I'm sorry. <laughs> if my kids are shutting me out, I will like, their dinner will be on their face. You know what I mean? Like it's not going to go well. I would not want to be there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it'd be really entertaining for you. It's just like, that's good. true. Because I'm not on the receiving end. Yeah. Oh my I'd be God. like, oh, you better put that away. Girl. All right. Um, well, great topic. Yeah, kind of running long, but let's just uh, power through. Um, we have a couple email questions, not really email questions, but like questions from our staff. And if you have a question to send to us for us to answer, um, the email address is podcast at collaboration.org. We look forward to answering questions. Uh, but here we go. Uh, Stephen from DC asks, uh, why are major corporations so bad at marketing to Asian Americans? And what can we at Collab do to help? I want Christy answer that. I don't know why I feel like she has the answer. Um, honestly, I think it's just because they're not ready and they don't know what to do. Mm. It talking to all these um, corporations for our sponsorships. Um, the consensus that I think kind of it's not so it's not like they talk about it and it's just like, oh yeah, we decided not to do it. it. I think it's just kind of like a general. I'm not ready. I'm not sure. Um, and they don't know our reactions, I guess. And so let's, let's, let's give an example, right? Um, we wanted to get a sponsorship from a bank, but, uh, they said that they didn't want to because they weren't, um, a hundred percent 
sure that they're ready to kind of be supportive of a of an organization that they're not sure how will how it will react with the audience and how successful it will be um and they can't control the things that we do and the things that we say and i can see that i can see that it is a concern because they really can't control what we're doing we can't control what we're saying and they can only have faith right and mm-hmm. corporate companies are not about faith they're about numbers a template yeah they're about numbers they're about facts they're about templates they're about this is what you're doing this is how you're going to do it now go and get it done Mm -hmm. and it's like a corporate it's like you just go up on the corporate ladder you don't go sideways you don't go you know so I think it really is just they don't know how to deal with it and they don't they're not ready um and it almost kind of merges into the topic of Asian Americans and women in the workforce, right? Like um, how many of them are actually in the the teams that make decisions? Who, who of them understand these new cultures and whatever these new um, situations are arising, you know, like there's, so the, and there's also that like glass ceiling and how do corporate, how does, how does corporate America almost deal with that, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everyone can say um, they're dealing with it because they're they're trying their best by having uh, diversity and inclusion. They're they're enforcing better uh, better rules and better better pay for women and for Asian Americans, and they have all these clauses and stuff like that. But a lot of them are also just to save their ass legally, right? Mm. We they totally don't actually... care about diversity. <laughs> We have these clubs. <laughs> they don't actually have um, true programs that incorporate diversity and have these conversations. Um, and of course, cre- increasingly they are. More and more are starting to realize that they actually really need to have these programs because we're not leaving anytime soon. Right. Um, but I think that ultimately they're just still trying to figure it out. Yeah. And, you know, I know for a fact that a lot of companies are actively trying to figure it out. You know, there's been you know, reports of different companies like Nielsen and also like corporations that are actively doing research into the Asian American market because of that. You know, there's been um, there's been a lot of um, reports um, saying how you know Asian American is the fastest growing market segment in you know in America. You know, we're, we're still not the majority. We're like what six percent of the population, but. We also spend growing. the most. And we mm-hmm. spend like the most on, you know, <laughs> fancy stuff because we like nice things. And see, a lot don't of us get are, all you know, like that. <laughs> like, that's what a report says. Again, see, I'm like, it's true in it. There is data to back that up. But again, the, I don't like the blinks because there's a lot of poor Asian people that cannot afford an iPhone. But again, to, you know, companies looking for this the data, company, like yes. things like, um, like it, it'll be interesting to see how. Uh, fresh off the boat does in terms of advertising because it ha- it's been a while since a show has captured like a large, large portion of a single demographic, right? It's it, it's appealing to demographics all over the board, but we know that Asian America in general are, are is watching this show, mm-hmm. and to see um, if if the advertisers on these shows if that leads to a better ROI for them, like in terms of marketing spend to like you know what they make this in this first quarter of you know, 2015, you know, that those findings are going to be super important in, you know, more networks giving Asian Americans centric, you know, shows to try or to try to also capture that, those dollars. Because, you know, right now, if you look at the TV landscape, it's really ABC really 
pushing the whole diverse, you know, Ken um, show. the diversity um, lineup. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if it works out for them, that's like, they'll, everyone else will be following. They'll, they'll be in the lead, right? With like capturing the market share, being the, the segment leader. So it'll be interesting to see how um, that works. And, you know, if that works well, that also helps collab because, you know, this is, this is our wheelhouse as well. And, you know, it might, we might be able to leverage that into, you know, when we go off for sponsorship pitches and things like that. Which we are. <laughs> but anyway. But yeah, I think that's definitely to answer uh, the second part of Stephen's question on how collab can help. And I think it really is just us reaching out and letting them know who we are, what we do, and what we hope will help change um, how everyone approaches the subject. Yeah. All right. So hope that answers your question, Stephen. And um, go look out there in D.C. Um, one last question comes from Lauren from San Francisco. and She wants to know about our thoughts about the new K-pop musical series um, on Nickelodeon, which if you guys uh, haven't heard, um, Megan Lee, um, a collaboration alumni um, who um, left for Korea a couple years ago to um, pursue a career in K-pop, is coming back and starting a new um, Nickelodeon series that's K-pop inspired um, from the, what the trailer shows. I guess that just means... Um, kind of like Glee or High School Musical, but with like K-pop moves and happy K-pop music, but like in English, I don't know. I don't know. I have no. Idea. <laughs> um, I never actually had Nickelodeon growing up, so um, but what? I, I know. Um, we didn't have cable. My parents were really cheap. <laughs> Stereo. Oh my gosh. Mm. I loved Nickelodeon. It was my life. I didn't. And have it. Are you afraid of the dark and nope. Doug and Rugrats nope. and nope. Hey Dude and all the Hey games. Arnold? I that was after me. That was my oh Arnold. no! <laughs> then I switched to Disney Channel slash WB. Anyway, growing up, I did Disney Channel, Nickelodeon, and Cartoon Network oh, and Animal that. Planet. I yeah, love cable networks. I loved um, Bug Juice on Disney Channel. That was like one of my favorite shows. What's the Disney Channel? Like we didn't have that. I had regular TV, so I had Disney Afternoon um, <laughs> and the WB. So like Animaniacs. Animaniacs, man. Freakazoid. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. Animaniacs beats Tiny Toon Adventures any day. But going to the question in terms <laughs> of the K-pop thing, I don't know what to say or feel. That's just mm. my honest answer. I... I'm not a K-pop fan of the current K-pop genre. I am a 90s K-pop fan. So What's the difference? There's a Do you want this to go on for another hour because it will. Can you give us like a 2 minute summary. That doesn't exist in me, Marvin. <laughs> all right. I just I'm not That's well, all. I, I don't know. It's I'm really happy for Megan. I was actually at the show where the first time I saw her, she got up during the collaboration was collaboration 10. Collaboration 2010, um, and she got up, and she had pigtails and, like, furry boots. I just remember this so clearly. PK hands her the mic, and he was like, okay, wait. She's like, hi, Emma, hi, Emma. She's all cute and doing the peace sign. And, like, <laughs> and then he was like, okay, well, here's your freestyle mic. Go for it. And then she starts belting up Beyonce. She starts singing, listen. Oh, and I was like, oh, my. <laughs> the whole crowd, like, audibly, like, like, whoa. She's got a voice. She's been working. She's worked so hard. Um, I, I've... I said hi to her, but I don't know her personally, mm-hmm. but I've been a fan and, you know, her journey is very interesting to me in terms of going to Korea and what that's like. I just love to sit and like get her two cents on that, yeah. that um, experience because again, we talked about before, like what it's like to have to not have to, or just choose to go to Asia to, 
to take that on. And I'm sure, you know, she's choosing K-pop because that's something she likes. Right. Um, I just, it doesn't really resonate with me. So yeah. I'm kind of indifferent about that. <laughs> it's, it's interesting that it's now crossing back over here. Yeah, I'm actually glad that she's coming back. Last time I saw her, like I first met her when um, she performed a couple of my smaller shows back when I was um, managing marketing for the LA team here. And it was right after she had done her first um, season of that K-pop, like American Idol show, and then didn't make it. And then um, right before she got signed by her current label, um, which I said she's having some contract disputes with, but that's, I don't know enough to comment on that. But I don't know, I guess... um, it's really she's been on the Disney Channel before, as I guess um, I don't know. Again, I don't watch it, but it seems like she's the lead in this show, which is is amazing. Great, yeah, yeah. Like so, this her. isn't a nighttime show. It's not Nickelodeon or Nick at Night, right? It's uh, I don't think it's so. It's like geared towards like teens and preteens. It feels like I'm they're new, know. like they're up, they're new, like High School Musical. Yeah, type that's of show. it's like just from the photo. Uh, it seems okay. like yeah. yeah, that's the image it's evoking. Oh, I think it's. I'm. I'll check out an episode again. I'm not a big fan, but I would love to see what Megan does with it. I think yeah. it's an exciting opportunity for her. Like that's an amazing win mm-hmm. um, for her career. I think just the cultural implications. I know that K-pop has become like this global phenomenon, and that there's a lot of non-Korean people who really appreciate, which I think is great. <laughs> just I don't really listen to it that much. I guess. I guess ours like we're glad it happened, but again, like like you, I'm like not so not in that target market. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no. Yeah, but I, I agree. Yeah. Like it's the type of show I would like if I were to watch. I would watch like on my phone in like the dark, like away from anyone else. I don't watch it. What? <laughs> but didn't you love her no, shoes? No, I what? <laughs> I definitely agree. I think um, I'm one of out of my friends. I'm probably the least. Um, I want to say cultured, if that's the right word, with K-pop because I never really listened to it. So I don't think that it does gear towards me for the show. But I'd be really interested to see how it how it does because it's super interesting. Um, it's it's so new and it's mm. almost like fresh off the boat, you know. Like yeah. it's going to provide a lot of dialogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, congrats to Megan, and um, I'll probably catch the pilot just to. No, yeah, I know, definitely want to support. Just to it know what it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the thing with entertainment. It's like, like I don't. I realize I've made a lot of assumptions and commentary on stuff I've never watched or mm. seen or heard. And that's just dumb. Yeah. So I don't want to be, yeah. All right. Coming up to the final stretch, let's just go through. We're going to go through a couple of collaboration updates. Um, like I said, before, auditions are open for Chicago, Houston, D.C., and L.A. Check out their Facebook pages. Um, they are, their applications are all on there. And, um, you know, Take if, you're, the plunge. if you're in any of those cities and you feel like you have talent, you know, we'd like to see it. Yeah. And actually, I want to say this, Kevin, really quick. People, um, you know, we, we talk about artistic careers and building your dreams and everything like that. And I just want to have this disclaimer that there are people who flinch on it because they think that we don't want to see any artists that are not people who are going to be a thousand percent serious about pursuing it as a career come out anyways. It's not about, you know, you're going to be getting a record label next week or something. It's really just like if you have talent, just sharing that that part of yourself, that in and of itself is what we want to see and experience. And how. Well, go ahead, I kind of want to make a comment about that. Sorry. Yeah. Um, most of the people who we audit- who auditioned for Collaboration Boston, mm-hmm. um, when we asked them how seriously they were going to take the entertainment industry and the music career, most of them said that it's just a hobby and it's something on the side. If it works well, then it works well, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's just 
the way that it is with most students, mm-hmm. um, just because they're the new up and coming generation. But I definitely agree with what Minji is saying. Like, definitely come out and try and just belt your 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 soul. <laughs> Leave it on the stage. Yeah, exactly. Like you've got nothing to lose. You have nothing to lose, and I think those are the defining moments. Especially because if you're scared to do it, I think then really you should do it. If it scares you, do it. Um, no, not all it's the a things, good learning this, experience. Yeah, too. and you don't know how you're going to change after you do it. I mean, no, no. a great performance, great talent. Like even you know, a great confident performance can do a lot. Not just for yourself, but also for for the people watching. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a lot of people out there that are on the fence as well. And you know, um, I've I've been through enough shows where people come up after me and just like say that you know they they were inspired by the show or that you know they want to like be a part of it next year because you know of what they saw. And you know, it's it's um it's one of the 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 I don't say few. So one of the good things that come out from you know running collaboration shows is just seeing the effect it has on our community. Yeah. Yeah. Take the plunge, guys. So again, um, if you're in Chicago, Houston, D.C., and L.A. Or in um, the surrounding areas. Or in the surrounding areas, yeah. Um, definitely check out your local team and um, check out the um, auditions applications. Um, our first show of the season is coming up in about a month, a little over a month, um, in Boston. Woo! Yeah, so uh, April 17th. Check out the Boston site and Facebook page for more details on that. Um, and then... Um, upcoming events locally um, in LA we have an open mic next week at Couple Vita in Old Town Pasadena registration is open right now you can check out our um, Collaboration LA Facebook page for the event details and um, um, for information if you want to participate and then in San Francisco um, in two weeks um, they're having their Cam Fest which is the, the big Asian American film festival there and Collaboration actually has a documentary to be um, showcased collaboration sf movement in motion it's awesome my friend howard actually followed us for an entire year and captured so many. i i i'm excited because i've seen bits he actually sent me a draft of it mm-hmm. uh, and it brought it made me actually really emotional because again when you're doing it and christy if you can ever get somebody to, like just follow your team even if it's just from like the time where you're putting on the show you get to you get to see everything that you missed and you get to remember all the, the stuff that like just flies by because you're mm-hmm. doing it um, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, so that's on okay. um, March fifteenth, twenty fifteen. If you're in San Francisco and you're on the area and you want to check it out, um, get tickets. It's going to sell out since we just plugged in on the podcast and we have, you know, a lot of listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited. I get to. I can't wait to go to campus because I get to have a reunion with my old stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to be. Is uh, that? Is that going to be available online for other people to see? I'm pretty sure that Howard will do that. I have no idea what the rules around restriction are when you submit to festivals. I think there are some rules of like you're not allowed to share. It's because they want to have the focus be on the festival um, and you're accepted. But well, I think I'm not sure. Howard can probably send Christy. Uh, oh, I'm sure. We'll, we'll talk about that offline. Yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I want everyone to watch it. <laughs> and yeah, that's um, that's a podcast. Any, um, any last words, Christy, before we let you go? Um... The actor Ki Hong Lee from the Maze Runner is getting married. Oh yeah, yeah didn't he already get married? Yeah, he Isn't just sure, like... he just announced it. Oh my gosh, I'm so heartbroken. Oh, uh, <laughs> you know he's did... one of he's one of uh, Minji's homies. Uh, like we're not super what? tight. I'm not gonna no. I'm not putting it out there that we went to college. <laughs> I know him. Like I, I hung out with him before. <laughs> Ki Hong knows who I am. Uh, Ki Hong, I'm not trying to name drop and like whatever. <laughs> oh, Ki Hong definitely listens to his podcast. Yeah, I don't know. 
I'm just saying. I'm just putting it out there. No, but Keong and I, um, again, the Korean community at UC Berkeley is super small. Keong was a a year below me. I'm the old hag, you know, whatever, the spinster. And he's like the young, fresh talent. But um, we actually, it was funny. My my super senior year at Berkeley, I took theater. And then he took theater. And whenever I leave theater class, he would go into theater class. And we'd like joke occasionally. I was like, I'll see you at the Oscars, man. But yeah, <laughs> Young's amazing. Like we had a lot. Of, I went to church briefly with his group of friends and stuff. Cool. Well, I, I shouldn't s- be saying that anyway because I have a boyfriend. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? Celebrity crush or like you know actor artist crushes? They kind of are. You know, you get a free <laughs> free pass. You know, I somehow got um, ended up watching that movie Maze Runner, and I was he awesome. was pretty badass in that movie. It's, it's kind of cool that he, he played like the the cool character, right? Yeah, we're so proud of you, Keong everybody <laughs> all right well that's one last tangent for us um thanks everyone for listening um again if you have any comments or you w- would like to submit a question for us and our guests to answer um email us at podcast at collaboration.org um we're posting every wednesday and um yeah thanks thanks christy for um, joining us thank you christy all the way from the winter wonderland of it's not even winter it's spring now right it's but not it's a wonderland. From um, the snowy, springy wonderland of Boston. The tundra. Slush land. Like the tundra. To call, call the tundra. The tundra. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait to see you soon, Christy. Yeah? Yeah, April. Everyone go to Collaboration Boston. And uh, from all of us here at the, the Collabcast, hashtag Collab or Die. See ya. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>